Welcome to the Cinescare Podcast. And I am your host, Matt Speak, and my co-host, Joe Jans. And uh, here we are again for another week. Uh, I want to just thank all of our listeners. Uh, we have had quite a, a turnout in terms of downloads and followers and things like that. So it's it's been really nice, kind of surprising for our first couple episodes. We've It's done uh, quite well. So thank you. And please... Uh, tell you if you enjoy the show, please tell your friends, especially anybody you know who happens to be into horror movies or ghost stories or whatever. Yeah, it's really um, doing a lot for our egos. Yeah, it makes us feel yeah. pretty good about yeah. ourselves. Yeah, which is why we're doing this. Totally. Yeah, it's all ego driven, the whole thing. <laughs> um, but please uh, spread the word, tell your friends, tell your families, tell your neighbors, uh, gather them around, tell your enemies. Tell your enemies. Yeah, yeah, we don't care. I yeah. mean, we will will entertain your enemies. Uh, yeah. We don't care. Um, <clears throat> especially if you don't like the show, you know. Yeah. Tell tell people you hate. Yeah. All right. So, but we do have, Joe, a ghost story today. Uh, I think I'm going to save it till the end once we're done with our movies. But we do have one ghost. Actually, I've received three ghost stories, but uh, we're a little short one on at time. A time. We got to pace ourselves. Right. And yeah. we're a little short on time today, so yeah. I can't do, probably only can do one. And then the other one I just received today. Um, so I want to make sure that I get the details down on that first. Uh, and then there's another one that I think uh, we're, I'm still waiting on the second part of the story. So, And I know of one other person who I think was going to send something or somebody messaged me saying that they were going to send a story. So if you have a ghost story, either a house you lived in or something you've experienced or even like a town legend, uh, please send them to us and we will read them. Uh, well, I'll do a little embellishing here and there, but nothing extravagant, just a, something to make it, you know, a little more podcast friendly, maybe a little more exciting, but a little more uh, generally spooky. <laughs> I can't guarantee I'm going to read uh, word for word what you wrote, but um, send me what you've got. Uh, so Joe, we're almost on Halloween. So this is officially our Halloween episode. Yes. Last and chance to record before Halloween. Exactly. So, and we probably won't record, uh, another show for a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and that's pretty much the schedule we're going to be on from now on is twice a month, once every other week, uh, unless, you know, unless people are just dying to hear us every week. Yeah. I don't know that I could be watching a different horror movie a day every day for the rest of my life. So we're going to have to take a break here and there. Yeah, no, we can't do that. Yeah. So, um, wind up in a mental institution. Totally. Yeah. Uh, but it is Halloween week. And so I, I tried to get as many movies that I hadn't seen before out of the way, uh, because these last few days are going to be devoted to, Halloween one, Halloween two, Halloween three, uh, and maybe, uh, I'm not sure what else, but probably movies I have already seen. Um, <clears throat> so I'll just get started with my first one. That was, let's see, on day 21, I watched a movie called The Houses October Built from 2014. And this is a, it's a found footage movie. Uh, it's it's pretty unnerving a, a lot of the time. I mean, there's some really creepy things and 
it's hard for it was hard for me to to I don't I don't want to say review, but it was hard for me to know how to feel about it at the end because I didn't care for the ending so much. But everything that had gone on up to that point was really creepy to me. Um, so it, I'm still left at a little bit of a loss on how to like gauge it. Um, it wasn't that the 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 ending was terrible. It it was it was fine and it was kind of predictable. I think it was just the way it was done. It just it ended too quickly. I needed a little bit. I don't even know what, and you need, needed something um, that um, I don't know heightened it or enriched it or something. But um, they just ended a little quickly, even though it was an ending that I didn't mind so much. But uh, everything that had co- gone on up to that point was pretty creepy. So these kids—it's basically about these kids who uh, they're driving around the South in an RV, a giant RV, like a Winnebago kind of thing, right? And they're looking for backwoods haunts. You know, these are the haunts that people do like in their own backyards uh, or they do it in their barn or whatever. And so they go in and these kids, they bring their, I say kids, they're 20 somethings, but they, they bring their cameras in with them, which of course makes the actors mad, makes the people mad or whatever. And so they have some confrontations and then they take the RV and after they go to one of these haunts, they'll go to some remote place and camp. Well, of course, you know, creepy stuff happens while they're camping. But then the next day they're off to some other town and same thing happens. They get in trouble for bringing their cameras and then they go camp at night and these people come along and, and, and bug them at night. So basically the, the, the whole story is that they're trying to find this, this one haunt that's really super scary and really intense and you have to have a password to get into it. So that's why they're going to all these backwoods haunts is to try and find this, this password. And they eventually do. And of course, they probably shouldn't have gone to this haunt. And, and, and that's where really the story takes place. So it's, it's pretty creepy. There's some pretty um, creepy characters that are following them that keep popping up, following them around wherever they go. And, and they, but they're pretty creepy. Uh, it's not great, but it is a it is a good creepy found footage story. I gave it three stars out of five. Uh, this is our new rating system. We're gonna have five stars and halves. Um, for me, I'll just go over this quickly. For me, I don't know about for you, Joe, but for me, a five star is like a masterpiece of a movie. You know? Oh, exactly. Uh, f- four and a half is a classic. Four is a great movie. Three and a half is a very good movie. You know, most of my movies are around that I like are three and a half stars. And then three is okay, not bad. And then it goes down from there. Uh, I'd give this about three stars. It's okay, not bad, nothing, you know, spectacular. Uh, but it's definitely worth checking out. That's uh, The Houses October Built from 2014. So we're doing stars and not like chainsaw blades or something like that. We might have to rework that. What do you mean? Well, like for the rating system, we're doing five stars oh. instead of like five chainsaws. Or, yeah, no, I guess we could do know, five hatchets or something. You know, yeah, sure. <laughs> five knives. I don't know. I'll give sure. this one five machetes. Three, yeah, three cuts. Oh, ooh, there you go. Three cuts. <laughs> I like that. All right. So uh, the first movie I watched was uh, The Thing, but not John Carpenter's Thing. It was uh, the remake prequel, uh, I guess more of a prequel 
Uh, this came out in October of 2011. It uh, actually, uh, it, it lost money. It was a $38 million budget and uh, worldwide gross after all this time only got up to 31 and a half million. So this of course is a starring uh, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, or as I like to call her Ramona Flowers, Joel Egerton, Ulrich Thompson as uh, Dr. Sander Halverson. And of course, friend of the show, kind of, uh, Eric Christian Olson, who's famous for growing up in Bettendorf, Iowa. Uh, this story is about paleontologist Kate Lloyd. She's invited by Dr. Halverson to come join them and their team to go find something extraordinary that they found deep below the Antarctic ice. Uh, it turns out it's a spaceship, and it could have been there for over 100,000 years. Not far away from where the craft landed, they do find the remains of the occupant. Uh, it's cut out of the ice and taken back to their camp, where it eventually ends up melting and wreaks havoc amongst the uh, the crew in the camp, and eventually infects the team, and they start devolving into alien creatures. Now, like I said, this is a prequel to the 1982 John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, the great tie-in about this was this movie actually ends in the exact same way with the exact same details as how the 1982 movie starts out. They, uh, they kept screenshots all over the set when they were making this movie of the original film. So they would make sure that they recreated the Norwegian station exactly the same way, all the way down to the smallest detail. Uh, this time they did have a nice clever twist. They've added uh, more information about how the aliens can and cannot reproduce. Uh, basically, we find out that they cannot reproduce metal, which is a great little tip for how you can determine who in your camp has been affected and who hasn't. Now, as far as the special effects goes, this was groundbreaking stuff back in 1982, the alien creatures that they made. This time they hired a company called Amalgamated Dynamics to recreate the uh, creatures in an animatronic robot for the film. The director insisted this originally because they thought it would be more realistic for the actors to play off something physical in front of them. And they always had it in mind that they would enhance those CG or those uh, robots and animatronics with CG later on, but it was just supposed to be like an overlay. Well, after the first uh, set of dailies came through and they started doing some of the CG overlays, the director then decided, you know what, forget it. We're going to scrap all of this original animatronics and we're going to do nothing but CG overlays. And Alec Gillis, who is the founder of Amalgamated Dynamics, this guy was, you know, top notch. He got to start with Stan Winston. He said that his entire crew suffered postpartum depression after seeing the final film because they looked up on the screen and they couldn't find any of their work. It was all CG overlays and they just seemed depressed. They felt like they could have just submitted their designs originally and stayed home for the rest of the shoot. So also because of this, because of all the extended times uh, with the computer graphics being added, this film was originally supposed to come out in April of 2011, but it had to get pushed back till October. The, uh, last little tidbit that I thought was really interesting is that they used the same helicopter. Uh, it was a Bell 206 Jet Ranger, 
with same details and graphics and everything in this movie so that it would tie in seamlessly with the 1982 classic. So as far as this film goes, it's still worth a watch. I really did enjoy it. What's disappointing to me though, is the use of those computer graphics. Uh, they did so much wonderful work back in 1982, making these demon dogs and beasts and aliens with all these little tentacles whipping all over the place. It was scary as hell with practical effects. There was really no need for them to go CG because some of the CG, CG graphics were just laughable at points. Like it was so noticeable. It took you out of the film, but the, uh, the cast was decent. The cast of the 1982 film, you're a little bit more invested and in. you felt like you knew who these people were. But now, other than the key, really two or three characters in this film, you really didn't care. Uh, it, it, the storyline was intense. It had a lot of the same, you know, jump scares and 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 feel and essence of the original film. I think it's, you know, I could see rewatching this. I've actually seen it twice so far. Uh, I did enjoy it, but it's just falling short of the original classic. So overall, I'd give this three cuts. Yeah, no, I'd heard I'd heard about the CGI uh, not being great, and so I I've avoided that one. But I'll, I I do I should check it out. I love the obviously the original is one of my favorite movies. Um, next movie is Unfriended, another one from 2014. Uh, this one's on Netflix. It's all set basically like on a zoom session uh, is what it, I, it's not actually zoom. I don't think, but it's, it's like that or like a Skype session, I guess. And this group of friends is on there hanging out and someone joins their group who is th the account of a friend of theirs who had uh, died. And suddenly all this stuff starts happening on their social media that that's, uh, you know, posts, uh, videos are posted of each of them in compromising positions. And it, you know, there's something supernatural happening. Uh, somebody is in control of, of not just the dead girls account on Skype and social media, but also in kind of in control of all of these people's computers. It's like they've hacked in, but it, there's some supernatural element to it. it it's not a great movie, but it's kind of, uh, you know, it's got a few good moments in it. From I, the reason I watched it though is because the next movie, uh, Unfriended, the Dark Web, I think is what it's called. That one I've heard from a lot of people is a really good movie, which is kind of funny because sometimes it's very rare that a sequel. You know, if a if a movie's bad, its sequel is usually equally bad or worse. Um, but there have been a couple movies where the sequel to a mediocre to bad movie uh, was actually pretty good. I, I'm thinking of Ouija origin of evil was a very good movie. The first Ouija was terrible. So uh, I, I think, I think if you check out unfriended, then move on to the sequel. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. So I, I, I can't say I recommend it. I gave it, a, I think two and a half stars, maybe, maybe three. There are some moments that are, are kind of creepy. Uh, it's one. If you, don't have anything else to watch, I guess, put it on or you've watched everything else on Netflix, then go ahead and put it on. But um, I can't highly recommend it by any means. But again, I haven't watched the sequel yet. 
So it may be worth watching this just to get to the sequel. And that, again, that's Unfriended from 2014. All right. The next movie I watched just came out last week, uh, The Witches on HBO Max. And this is, of course, a Robert Zemeckis film starring Anne Hathaway and Octavia Spencer, uh, Chris Rock as the voiceover of our hero, and Stanley Tucci as the hotel manager. So this obviously is based upon, it's a reimagining of the Roald Dahl 1983 classic book by the same name, uh, but it's retold for modern audiences. The story takes place in the 1960s, and it's about a seven-year-old boy who tragically loses his parents in a car accident and has to go live with his loving but odd grandmother in uh, Demopolis, Alabama. Now, the boy and his grandmother end up encountering a witch in their small town, and the grandmother decides to take the boy and seek refuge in a luxurious seaside resort. But unfortunately, they arrive at the same time that the Grand High Witch, played by Anne Hathaway, is holding a, I guess you'd want to call it a convention of sorts, with all of her fellow witches, and that's like how she's going to unveil her plot to get rid of all the children in the world and turn them into mice. So there was an earlier adaptation of this book uh, in the 1990s with Angelica Houston. Uh, they've changed this up considerably. Guillermo del Toro is actually one of the screenplay screenplay writers and producers for this. He wanted to do the film as a stop motion picture. Uh, obviously they decided to go against that. They've changed this up from the original again by moving the location into Alabama and making the protagonist characters portrayed by African-American actors because they thought this would be a nice exciting way to put a psych sociological spin on the story. Now, all the reviews that I've read about this, everybody seems to harp on Roald Dahl being anti-Semitic and misogynistic undertones in the storyline. But I try to look past that just like Steven Spielberg looked past it when he did BFG and, you know, Robert Zemeckis is Jewish. He, he obviously didn't see that much of an issue in it. And, uh, I, I say to all those critics, get over it. It was a fun story. And uh, it's, I didn't go into this movie expecting a whole lot. I mean, it's not a psychological thriller. It's just simply a spooky little kid's book. And the witches are very cartoony. The uh, German accents are extremely over the top, almost discernible at some times, but still for a kid's Halloween movie, it was fun. It's something that would, you know, spook little members of your family. That being said, I'm glad I watched it. It's nothing I think I'm going to be adding to my personal collection anytime soon. But overall, I gave it like two and a half cuts. Uh, I'm going to skip over one that I watched. I watched one on the 23rd um, called Malanaza Street. It's a, from Spain. It, it wasn't very good. Uh, it was a sort of a haunted apartment haunted flat, I guess. And it, it was pretty bad. <laughs> so I really don't feel the need to talk about that one too much, but I will talk about on the 24th, I watched uh, trick or treat, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, not trick or treat, but trick or treat are, um, I was just watching. That's like 20 minutes ago. Oh, were you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. It's 
2007. It's it's a classic, I think. And I personally, I think it's the best horror anthology ever made. Um, there's four stories, I think, that intertwine. Uh, and I love the way they do it because most uh, most anthologies, there'll be sort of a story that ties everything together and we keep coming back to that story. And then, and then, you know what I mean? Like they'd start out with this story that, that is like a through line and then somebody, one of the characters will, will begin telling a story and that's when we watch part one. Right. And then we come back to that through line and so forth, so on and so forth with trick or treat. It's not like that. These stories interweave with each other. And so if you if you've watched it a couple times, the first time you won't notice this, but in subsequent viewings, you'll notice in the background of shots characters from other storylines walking by, uh, because these it's it's all set on Halloween night in this town, and so you'll see characters from other stories mo- moving along as they go through their story, and so they all sort of relate to each other, and it's kind of told out of order a little bit. Uh, I think the, in fact, I believe the first scene might be the last thing that happens in the, in the whole movie. But at any rate, uh, 2007's trick or treat. It's, it's a classic. This is one I give five, um, or no, I give four and a half or five somewhere in there. Um, uh, what are we calling them? Cuts, I guess. And, and, and this one is a a sure thing. So it's definitely got a very dark sense of humor. Uh, especially the 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 part with the principal and the kid who comes over and steals his candy, that uh, that part gets pretty dark in in its sense of humor. But it, it definitely it's it's meant to be part comedy, part horror, uh, leaning more towards dark comedy and horror than than you know. It's certainly not uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. It's, <laughs> it's this is a dark comedy uh, along the lines of something. Quentin Tarantino could write, I suppose, but this is one of my favorites and it's one that I try to watch almost every year, if not every year. So that principle with the kid who tries to steal the candy is by far my favorite part of that entire scene, the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah, I love that storyline. Yeah. All right. My last one of the evening, I, you know, it's our Halloween show. I had to end something on that was just iconic. So I chose 1987's Hellraiser. Now this, this was the launching of what they didn't know at the time was to be a huge franchise. This of course is Clive Barker's film, uh, starring Andrew Robinson as Larry, the dad and Claire Higgins as Julia, the evil stepmom, Ashley Lawrence as Kirsty, the daughter. She's our, our heroine for the film. And then of course, Doug Bradley played the lead Cenobite. I'll get more to him in a second. But for those of you who haven't seen this movie, I, I can't imagine anybody listening to this hasn't seen it. But uh, this is Clive Barker's first uh, directorial debut. And it's the tale of a man and a wife who move into this old house and discover this hideous creature up in the attic. And it's the uh, the man's half-brother who is also the woman's former lover and is hiding upstairs. Having lost his earthly body to a trio of S&M demons called the Cenobites, he's brought back into existence by a drop of blood on the floor. And he soon forces his old mistress, 
which is of course played by Claire Higgins, uh, to bring him the necessary human sacrifices he needs to complete his body. Uh, but of course the Cenobites aren't too thrilled about this. So, you know, it's that old romantic love story and, uh, it, it launched 10 movies, not to mention comic books and video games and novels. I mean, this, this is just an iconic story, but, uh, I did some dig and I learned a couple things. This originally was supposed to be called the Hellbound Heart, not Hellraiser. And uh, the second title that they had suggested for this was Sadomasochist from Beyond the Grave. Now, <laughs> this uh, this launched a whole group of characters called the Cenobites, which movie after movie, the some of the ancillary Cenobites change. Uh, I, I started watching episode, or episodes, uh, Hellraiser 2 and 3. A couple of the Cenobites get disposed of new ones get introduced but of course the one that never goes away is pinhead however in the first movie he was never called pinhead he was named the priest uh but when it came to his actual credits he was just lead cenobite and uh, the female was originally supposed to be called deep throat but they ended up just going with the blank title of female cenobite as well it wasn't until the second movie that they started referring to him as pinhead uh clive barker actually didn't care for the name the cast was sort of joking around during the first film that that's what they should call him they never ended up going through with it until movie number two so and speaking of the cenobites there are two others that are kind of iconic in this first film the first one's called the chatterer just basically a giant pair of teeth that just chatter throughout the whole thing and there's a large one also named butterball now these original characters had lines in the film, but once they put all that makeup on there and they found out it was almost impossible for them to articulate, they ended up giving all the lines to the female Cenobite instead. So, uh, it also took six hours every day to put that pinhead makeup onto Doug Bradley, which is just unbearable in my opinion. So anyway, like I said, this movie was groundbreaking. This truly pushed the limits of on-screen gore way back in 1987. The makeup is absolutely gorgeous. The special effects are subpar, especially if you watch the end of the movie when the, uh, not to spoil anything, but when our heroine triumphs over evil, how the Cenobites disappear. I, I've found out was done with uh, Clive Barker and a friend of his over a weekend while they were completely drunk, uh, hand painting slide after slide to get this animation part done. So anyway, as I said, Pinhead, this movie created an icon. If there was a Mount Rushmore of horror, I would think Pinhead would be up there somewhere. This is truly something that if you're going to be into horror movies at all, you got to watch. And this one, just this one particular Hellraiser, I give this four cuts. Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's a, it's a, it's a classic. I mean, you know, of, of horror. Uh, I, I've never gotten into the whole Hellraiser thing as much as uh, a lot of other people do, but I definitely appreciate. And I like the, um, the, you know, some of the effects I like, you know, they were, they were pretty good. There were a few, there were a few on there that weren't so great, but um uh, overall, I, I, it's, it's a, it's a fun one. I, I do need to revisit it. And at some point, 
I do need to just sit down and go through the whole series. Uh, just that, to compl- that's where I'm going to stop you because I watched I numbers two and three and each one is getting worse. I don't know that I've ever seen all of them. I think I've seen up to like number five or six. I've heard but, uh, that there is an uptick in quality once you get up to around four, I believe. But oh, okay, yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll keep going. I could be yeah. wrong about that, but I, I felt like I've heard somebody say that that one of those later ones got a little better. But at any rate, um, so my movie on the t- I have two left on the twenty fifth. I watched uh, the Cleansing Hour, which is on Shutter. And it's a it's a possession film, and it's about a guy who has a website where he does exorcisms, and they're all fake, right? So of course, I mean, you can probably guess where the story's going to go. Here he he does a show and has the girlfriend of one of the producers. Be um, she's an actor. He has her uh, do one of the exorcisms, and of course, she really becomes possessed. Nobody really understand. I, I don't think we ever figure out exactly why this demon decided at this moment to possess the actor, but uh, it it was okay. It had some pretty cool effects. Uh, there, it's not anything earth shattering. It was, I thought, mildly entertaining. The acting was so so, uh, but there there were some interesting aspects to it. Certainly. There was some great makeup. I thought uh, the makeup effects, some of the fire effects for a low budget movie, I thought they did a, a lot really well. And then at the end, there's a creature that I thought was very well made for such a low budget film. So it's definitely one that um, I, I don't know. I didn't love it. I gave it three stars. Didn't love it. Didn't hate it. But it, it definitely was entertaining. There was a, It had a sense of humor at times uh, that I thought was kind of funny. But um, nothing great. And then the movie uh, that I watched last night, it's called Naroy the Curse. I believe I'm pronouncing I could, I, forgive me if I mispronounce that, but it's Noroi, N-O-R-O-I, uh, whatever, hyphen the curse. And it's from 2005. It's a found footage Japanese film. Uh, where there's a guy who's investigating this demon who's possessing kids. And he thinks he's he's located where the demon is. And basically the whole movie is about him looking for this kid. And it it doesn't look great because it's all shot on video, you know, like video the video camera. So it kind of looks like an old VHS tape from the 90s that you're watching, which adds to it. I think they did it on purpose. Uh, so it kind of adds to the atmosphere that you're, that you're watching this truly found footage. Um, and, and there's not a good through line to the story, which actually is more realistic than one of my gripes with found footage movies. And I think that a lot of people have with found footage is that often there's no good reason for a conversation between two people to be happening with the camera in their hands. Right. And that happens a couple times here too, but for the most part, they avoid it by really us just seeing clips of this guy's investigative show. And so that's all we're watching is, is, is what we're supposed to be watching anyway on this guy's show. So it, it, 
it, it worked in that way. And there were a couple, I thought, kind of creepy moments. And I, and I really felt like the ending, uh, I thought they landed the ending. It just took way too long to get there. This is a movie that was almost two hours long when, you know, something like this, a found footage movie shouldn't be more than 90 minutes, you know, 80, 90 minutes is like a good sweet spot for one of these babies. And this thing, it took way too long. They had way too many repetitive scenes in the middle and especially in the first third, but the ending, they really nailed it. The last third of the movie was pretty solid. So I, I do recommend that. I, in fact, I, I think you could almost skip through a lot of stuff uh, and just get, you know, get to the, especially in the middle, you could almost get to the last third and, and you'd, you'd probably enjoy it just as much. But at, at any rate, I know there's a lot of people love this one. It gets, I, I look on Letterboxd and it's got some very high ratings. So it, it just didn't do much for me, but, um, and, and also the subtitles were often uh, kind of uh, placed on top of Japanese writing. So it was really hard to make out the subtitles at times uh, because you were, you're seeing the captions for the show that the guy's doing. And then the subtitles of what people are saying go over those some t- at times. And it was very hard to read, but overall it was, uh, I give it three stars. Uh Nothing again, nothing. I, you know, most of my movies, I think this, this go around, except for one I've already seen, uh, none of them were blew me away. I, I liked probably of the ones I'd not seen before the houses October built. I probably liked that the best. And that one, God, if it just nailed the ending a little better, I'd, I'd put that one down as, as a four cut, but the ending kind of took it away. So that one's got some sequels too, doesn't it? Which one? The houses that October built. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's got two or at least two. At maybe least, yeah, I think it's three. at least two. Yeah. Yeah. There might be three. In fact, uh, in fact, I think the director who did it, that's pretty much, you know, that's his thing. That's his, yeah. baby, that series. So well, I you gotta it, be known for something. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> if you're famous, you're famous. Yeah. Um, not everybody can do a podcast. No, that's true. Yeah. Not our podcast. <laughs> well, certainly not. Yeah. Um, so the last thing I've got is I do have a good ghost story for everyone. And well, I'll try this and see how it goes. I'd love to see more of these things, get more of these. Uh, I've got a couple that are going to be on the, um, that we'll do in the next show. But this one, this one comes from my brother believe it or not. Uh, his name's Scott Speak. And my brother, I don't know if you knew this, Joe, but my brother Scott lived in for several years, lived in a haunted house in Davenport, Iowa, actually not far from where you live. Um, you're off of Jersey Ridge, right? Sort of. Yes. I mean, that you're, Jersey you're, and Eastern. Yeah. Well, uh, my Do you brother, want to give all of our listeners my, my home address? Now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, my brother is off of Eastern, right? So just south of the, um, or was, he doesn't live there anymore, but he was just south of that, um, that old cemetery over there on Eastern in Davenport, right down from Flowerama, actually. Yes. And they bought this house. It was originally built in 1925, and of course, you know what that means. It's haunted. 
Oh, oh of course. Yeah. <laughs> Built in 1925. <laughs> There's no other way. It's got to be haunted. All houses of that year were, were, were haunted. Yeah. They were. That was a that was a year for haunting, building haunting ha- haunted houses. Well, actually, he was pretty creeped out by it from the first moment he stepped foot in the house. Um, there were things that just seemed to be happening there, weird uh, occurrences, the usual, like things not being where they thought they were going to be, uh, keys, not where they left them or whatnot. Um, but my brother, Scott, let me explain. My brother, Scott, uh, he, he gets into these kicks where he, uh, he gets into a, a hobby and it becomes his obsession and he learns everything he can about that hobby. And he does that hobby for a while and then he's on to something else, right? So at this time, he was really into buying old clocks on, on eBay and, and fixing them and then selling them again. Or what really happened was he would fix them and then keep them in his house. So he had like 40 clocks in the living room, dining room area, and they're all clicking, you know, tick-tocking the whole same time. There's enough to drive you crazy. And so he would do that. He'd fix these. Now, the thing about those old clocks is you had to wind them, but not all old clocks had the same wind schedule. Some of them were on a 15 day wind. Some of them were on a 30 day wind or whatever. Right. So they had different times for, for winding. Now, remember that detail, Joe, because I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> okay. Write down clocks on different wind times. Different wind times. Okay. So in about 2006, his wife, Valerie, was invited to a seance with some acquaintances, people that were on the edge of friendship. Have you ever been on the edge of friendship, Joe? I think we are right now. (laughs) We might be. (laughs) We're we're almost 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 friends. friends. Yeah. (laughs) I had, um, so he he had her take out his little digital recorder and uh, they got into, they had gotten into uh, recording things with this little thing, this little recorder, right? Like a digital recorder. And it, I guess it would save it to MP, MP, MP3, right? So she takes it with her to this seance. And the things that were on the recorder sounded demonic. When, they, when she got home, they listened to it. It sounded demonic. And that's after that. And now He's telling this story. I, I don't know. I think she might tell the story a little differently because the way he tells the story, it sounds like she brought all the stuff with her. But I remember them hearing things before she ever went to that seance. And so I don't know. But he he believes that this seance is what caused all their problems. And it wasn't even in their house. So forget about it. Anyway, and the things... Uh, so that's when he says problems really started happening. They heard voices on the EVP. Uh, they uh, kept those files on their computer and and they'd play them for us and, and scare us. And of course, when I'd come home for uh, the holidays, I would call out to the house and say, if you are really, <laughs> if you are really a powerful spirit, you'll reveal yourself to Scott in the middle of the night. That was what I would, I would challenge these things. So maybe I helped stir it up. I don't know. Uh, they're poking the bear. Yeah. Poking the bear. Well, there was one night they were in their bedroom getting ready for bed and they heard something in the hallway, like the sound of footsteps. Right. And they're like, what's that? 
and all of a sudden something bangs on their bedroom door like like hard and i'm not embellishing this this is actually what happened they're bang something was banging on their bedroom door they open up the door of course and nothing was there um their kids complained about seeing people standing in their rooms uh i remember that too because one of their their daughters uh, was afraid to sleep in her own room because she she swore up and down that she saw a guy standing there um, once. Um, several times things would go missing and then just show up in crazy right in front of your eyes places. But there was one, Joe, there was one um, recording that I still remember. And they put it, there was, they had this creepy, almost like attic storage area in their in their upstairs and they set the ev the the sound recorder in there one night and if you listen to it you'll hear he, he put it in there for two minutes so you hear just dead silence for two minutes room noise right for two minutes and then right towards the end of this recording you hear a voice say he's coming and 10 seconds later, my brother comes in, turns off the, the recorder. So back to the clocks. Remember the clocks? They're all. I remember. One. I wrote it down. Yeah. So different wine schedules, different wine schedules. Well, he yeah. didn't have, he didn't even have those synchronized. So the ones that are on a 30 day wind, they weren't synchronized. <laughs> so as soon as he'd <laughs> fixed one, he'd wind it. So he was always going around trying to figure out which clock was on and which clock was off. And, sure. and they weren't synchronized at all. So one night he and his wife are sitting in the living room. Okay. They're doing their work on their laptops or whatnot. His wife says, Valerie, that's her name. She says, Scott, and she's Southern. So I, I'm going to try to do my Southern accent. <laughs> Scott, do you hear that? And my brother goes, no, I don't hear anything. And she says, exactly. They weren't, all the clocks had stopped. Every one of those clocks had stopped at the exact same time, which is impossible. Um, yeah. Without, without some sort of spirit happening, right? It's um, the only logical explanation. But it's the only one I can think of. But what a great opportunity to get them finally all on the same wine schedule. Well, that's true. I don't know yeah. if I took advantage of that or not. Um, <laughs> but as a little um, top off, I go home for Christmas, right? And this is in the middle of them doing all kinds of recordings and everything. And this is back in the LimeWire days too, by the way. This is before, I believe, before iTunes. It's just after Netflix. You remember LimeWire? I do. For those of you who don't remember, there was a uh, there was a software online called LimeWire or LimeWire, where you could basically it was it was peer to peer sharing music and sharing. I replaced Napster. Right, it replaced Napster, yeah. and basically you get free songs. So for Christmas that year, my brother bought me this little MP3 player, and he said, "Go down. I've got LimeWire on my computer. Just load up your thing with with music." I'm like, "Okay, great." So. I leave the next day for California and that night I get home. This is when I was living in Hollywood. I get home laying in my bed and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put myself to sleep, listening to my, my MP3 player with my new music. <laughs> well, I, when he loaded that, he also put a bunch of those MP, those EVP <laughs> sounds on there. So I am laying there and, and I'm listening to music. I'm about to fall asleep. And next thing I know, 
I hear just silence like there's, but it's like weird room noise. And I'd kind of, I was half asleep. I'm like, what is this? And then I hear this voice. He's coming. He's coming. <laughs> it scared, <laughs> scared me to death. This is not how I thought you were going. I thought you were going to tell you, tell me like one year for Christmas, I opened up this big, huge box room and inside one of the clocks. No, <laughs> uh, I would like to have one of those clocks. I think uh, it would have been nice for him to give me one since he had like He's handing you a poltergeist then. Well, that's what I look for. I, I, I told, in fact, he, he wrote this down in his story. Uh, my quote that he, that he always liked was, uh, I said, you know, it's a good house when you're afraid of it. Yeah. I, and, and I, I've always wanted a haunted house. So he, yeah. I, I was like, when you, when they moved out of that house, they built a house out in Maquoketa. Um, I was like, this thing, you know, you're not going to have any more ghosts. It's a brand new house, no ghosts, but no, they don't make them like they used to, no. you know, haunted. The only thing I could hope for is that they, you know, accidentally built their new house on like tribal ground. Ancient Indian burial ground. Yeah. 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 So anyway. Cross your fingers. So uh, that's our story for this week. And uh, like I said, please, people, uh, send me your ghost stories uh, and, and you can just write them down if you want. Actually, I had somebody record their voice telling me her ghost story and she just sent it to me over, uh, I guess, Facebook messenger or whatever. So that works too. If you want, if you don't want to write out your whole story, you can just record yourself telling it to me and you can send it to us that way too. Uh, but you can email it to us at cinescarehorror at gmail.com. And I guess that's it, Joe. I, I hope everybody has a fantastic Halloween. I know it's going to be hard to do this year because of uh, the COVID and all of that stuff going on. But, um, you know, try to get out there. Try to try to at least watch some scary movies between now and then. Don't forget to wind your clocks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't forget to wind your clock. Is, is this uh, actually? It actually daylight is. Savings? Daylight savings on Halloween. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. You guys do well, that out in California, don't you? Daylight saving, we yeah. do actually. Yeah. yeah, I wish we didn't. I would. Yeah, love it. everybody we wishes those, we didn't. Yeah. yeah, I wish it, we were one of those states that didn't do it. I don't know why we do, but you know, it's one of those things. Yeah, it's one of those things like the electoral college. You just you can't figure <laughs> out why it happens. It and just, you just can't win. <laughs> yep. All righty. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. And like I said, please, please, please tell your friends, tell your family, anybody you know, especially people who are into horror and horror movies ghost stories and all of that uh, to tune in. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween.